Welcome to the Divorce Tribe Podcast. My name is Luke Mydell, and I created this weekly podcast to provide support and healing as you navigate the daily trials that accompany divorce. I have been where you are, I have walked that lonely road, and I'm hoping to share what I have learned and what I am still learning through others. We are part of the same tribe, the Divorce Tribe. Welcome to episode eight. You shall not pass! Setting boundaries in divorce. If you can tell from the title, we'll be discussing boundaries this week. We'll be discussing good boundaries and bad boundaries. We'll talk about how to set them up and how to consistently enforce them. Boundaries are necessary whether your ex is a great person or a complete jackass, because your relationship is now changing. You are moving from a married couple to being divorced from this person. My goal this episode is to demonstrate that setting up boundaries with your ex can protect you from emotional harm, can help you heal quicker, and can also protect you from continuing those negative communication patterns that may only amplify in the divorce process. Now, before we get into that, let me share a little ancient history with you. This is a great example of the benefits that boundaries can have in protecting you. So the ancient city of Constantinople was a port city that eventually became the capital of the Byzantine Empire because of its natural harbor and its prime location. It was perfectly situated between Europe and Asia, which made it a great location for trade as it was accessible by boat. One of the nicknames of the city was the Golden Horn because of its shape and its wealth. Because of its prime location, it was also a target for conquering nations who wanted to take advantage of its wealth and location. While being great for trade and commerce, the harbor also made the city vulnerable to naval attacks. And yet the city withstood centuries of attacks using an ingenious method. They strung a large chain barrier across the harbor. This barrier could be lifted to allow friendly ships in during times of peace, and if there was ever the threat of an enemy attack, it could be lowered to prevent enemy ships from entering the harbor. By putting this barrier in place, the city was able to protect itself from naval attacks at one of the city's weakest points. In fact, one of the Byzantine Empire's victories over an enemy navy was using what was known as Greek fire to light the enemy ships on fire and destroy them. Both the chain and Greek fire were used in Game of Thrones when an attacking navy was trapped in the harbor when a large chain was raised to block their escape and then pelted with Greek fire to destroy the navy. Like Constantinople, we need to set up boundaries and barriers to protect our wealth. In our case, our wealth is our mental health, our ability to heal, and the health of our children during divorce. But before we delve into that, it's time for story time, where I discuss the current book I'm reading. Now, I'm going to tell you the name of the book I recently finished. And remember, this is a no-judgment zone. When I first started researching for my podcast, I went online and I found lists of the best books for divorce. And I just started buying them left and right. I'd find them on Amazon. I'd find them on thriftbooks.com. Basically, there was a month where I was receiving multiple books each week. Well, one day I received a book with a picture of a pint of ice cream on the cover. And it was titled, It's Called a Breakup Because It's Broken, The Smart Girl's Breakup Buddy. 
Yeah, so I bought it and I finished it. I finished a book called The Smart Girls Breakup Buddy. So I am now an honorary member of that club. I'm sure my brothers will love to hear that. Now, this book is hit or miss, depending on how you're feeling and the seriousness of your divorce. It's written by a husband-wife duo, and the husband is a comedian. So it's got that snarky, at times mean-spirited, but always comedic quality to it that may rub you the wrong way, because, let's face it, you may not be at a place where any sort of comedy as it relates to your divorce is funny. Yet nestled in the snarkiness, hidden in the smarminess, are great tips on what you can do to get over your divorce or your breakup, for that matter. They give these tips in seven commandments, and the tip I'm going to share today relates to setting boundaries. Commandment one is the 60-day no-contact rule, which is basically you take a fast from your ex for 60 days. No drunken 2 a.m. phone calls begging them to come back. No texting cute little memes, no looking through their social media. When I say no contact, it means no contact whatsoever. If you're looking through their social media, still keeping your mind focused on your ex, you're not allowing yourself to heal as quickly as when you take a fast from your ex. Now this is hard nowadays. In the past, when you broke up with someone, unless they were in your social group, you basically never saw them again. I went through my prime dating years before there was social media. The first thing I remember was MySpace, but I think I even signed up for that post-marriage. And I for sure didn't sign up for Facebook until after I was married. So of the three serious relationships I had before I was married, and after high school, the first was in my social group, we went to the same religion classes, hung out with the same groups of people, so when we broke up, I still saw her, would still hang out at parties and go on vacation with this group of singles. I would still talk to her, and it was difficult getting over her because of that contact. Now, it wasn't the hardest. I mean, I've had much harder breakups, a.k.a. my divorce, but it was hard. I remember driving home from one party where we had all been hanging out, and she had started dating someone else in the group, and I was angry and sad as I left this evening just having to watch her on the sidelines, flirting, hugging, kissing. So I got in my car in this church parking lot, and I started driving home. And in a fit of rage, I screamed, and I slammed my fist down on the steering wheel. And I bent the metal so that the horn was locked and honking for the entire drive home. So I pulled into my driveway I turned off my car. It wouldn't stop. And I ran inside yelling, My car horn is stuck in the on position! Of course, they already knew. The entire neighborhood knew. So my dad came out, unhooked a fuse from the fuse box, and the car stopped honking. But without that boundary where I was able to take a fast from my ex, it was difficult getting over her. For the second and third girls I dated before I was married... Neither of them were around after we broke up. One was going to school an hour or so away. The other one was from Mexico and was planning to go to school a few hours away. So we dated, we broke up, and the boundary that was already set up was geographical. Distance. This made these breakups a lot easier than the first one. Nowadays, you have that instant access to their life on Facebook, Instagram, whatever social media they have. You get to see guys or gals commenting on their photos, calling them sexy or whatever it is. 
They might be far away, but it feels the same as it did when I was still seeing the girl I used to date at parties, at weekly classes. It felt like hell. So let's talk boundaries. Boundaries that can protect us like the great chain protected the wealth of Constantinople. Like distance used to protect us when relationships ended before social media. A 60-day fast is likely impossible for you if you have children and joint custody or visitation. In my case, a 60-day fast for my ex was impossible. We see each other multiple times each week. We have to communicate with each other to arrange drop-offs and pickups, to arrange vacation schedules and piano practices. So the 60-day fast will be different than what is possible for people going through a breakup with no kids. But it is still possible. It'll just be different than it is for guys and gals without kids. Now, when I was still married and going to therapy, setting boundaries were a big part of the healing process for me. And one of the summary sheets I received from my therapist was titled Boundaries and Consequences. This sheet was created by a couple therapists, Dan Gray and Todd Olson of the Lifestar Network. And it goes through what a boundary is, what the purpose of a boundary is, how to let other people know what my boundaries are, and how I determine and enforce the consequences. Now, as I said, not everybody will be able to have the same boundaries as everybody else. One person may be able to cut off all communication, travel to Tuscany, and heal by themselves after purchasing and renovating an Italian villa in Tuscany, while another person may be required to have weekly communication with an ex. So here's a good tool to determine where you should start looking at setting boundaries. In your mind, go through a few weeks of communications, of pain points related to your ex, of things that remind you of your ex. Think through those texts. Think through the in-person conversations. Think about those moments when something she did made you feel crappy. Or think about the texts that he sent you that made you feel unsafe. Or when your ex didn't treat you in a way that you deserved to be treated. Think about how you felt when you pulled up their social media and saw posts with your kids or saw them on a date with someone else. If you can pinpoint those specific conversations, those situations that triggered you in some way, you have a good idea where you need to set a boundary. Here are some examples. You are moving on, you are slowly healing, and your ex calls and asks for a favor. He wants to take the kids on your weekend. You already have plans that weekend that you made with your kids, and you let him know. And he starts calling you names, claiming you're being an idiot and doing everything you can to make his life difficult. You try to explain that you already had plans and it has nothing to do with him, and the berating continues. You leave the call feeling beat down, harassed. There's a place you need to set a boundary. On to example number two. Someone asked a question in a Facebook group about whether people had sex with their exes after their divorce. The majority said, absolutely not. But then there were others who said yes. And of those who said yes, like 99% of the time they followed it up with, it was not worth it. It complicated things. It kept that confusion and attachment going past when it should have ended. It ended up delaying my healing process. And I talked about the same thing in a past podcast in Suzanne Finnamore's book, where she continued making whoopee with her soon-to-be ex while he was dating another woman. And when she didn't win him back, it just delayed the healing cycle leading into the full-blown grief stage. So let's go back to that boundaries and consequences sheet. 
They list two purposes behind boundaries. One, to create safety for yourself. And two, to teach others how to treat you. I would go even further and say to help promote and speed up your healing process. Here's a quote from the paper. Quote, boundaries are determined by what you need, not what you think others need. And then they continue even further and say, quote, consequences are what you are going to do, not what you are going to make others do. Setting boundaries, creating consequences when those boundaries are breached, it's all about your safety, not about what your ex needs, what your ex-in-laws need. It's about you and your safety. It's about you and your healing. It's about you and you demanding the respect that you deserve. Teaching your ex how you deserve to be treated. How anyone deserves to be treated for that matter. So let's walk through the rest of the boundary worksheet. The first thing they talk about are setting consequences and following through with those consequences. Boundaries without consequences are useless. And you know what? The more I learn about this, the more I realize it's very similar to parenting. You set up rules for your kids. Those are just boundaries that they shouldn't cross. And if they do, there are consequences. So what the heck happens if you set up a rule? I'll take one from my parenting rule book, like no gaming on Sunday. And then when Sunday rolls around, you find your kid gaming on the couch. He wakes up early enough where he thinks, if I'm sneaky enough... I'll get a good hour in before my dad wakes up. Well, this is all hypothetical, of course. No way has this ever happened to me. <laughs> Fine. Okay, this has happened to me. On our family room wall is an 11 by 17 sheet of paper with rules for the game systems printed in bold along the top. And the number one rule is no gaming on Sunday unless we play together. In my house, family time is on Sunday. I don't want my son sequestered in his own room playing Minecraft all day. In addition to the rules, I list consequences in bold font near the end of the list. And those consequences are that you lose five minutes, or you have to turn off the game system if you get angry, even if your time isn't up. Or you get grounded from the game systems for a day, depending on what rule is broken. Now, if I had caught him gaming on Sundays and just said, Oh, whatever, I'll just let him have this freebie. Or, you know, I don't follow through with the consequences. Then the rules have no meaning. The next Sunday, my son will do the same thing, and the rules become meaningless. The same is true when setting boundaries with this ex you're trying to parent. Now, the difference is that when your child breaks a rule, it's not about what you need and your safety. It's about what you feel your child needs and what will keep your child safe. But the concept is similar, and it helps me understand it better. So, we need to set boundaries, set consequences, and be consistent in enforcing the boundaries we set and in following through with the consequences. To let your ex know about the boundaries you are setting, you should keep the focus on what you need, not what you are going to make them do. Use I statements and feeling words. For example, I feel uneasy when you come into the house uninvited. We are now divorced, and this is my home. If you keep coming into the house uninvited, I will have to change the locks. Now, you shouldn't tell your ex this when it happens. Discuss it during a moment of calm when you can sit down and explain the boundaries you are setting up and the consequences if they break those boundaries. And this might not go over well. They may get defensive. 
but if you use your I statements and feeling words, are specific with the boundaries and consequences, and you maintain your calm, it will hopefully go a lot smoother. Now, what should my consequences be? The summary sheet lists three R's of consequences. They should be reasonable, related, and respectful. Reasonable, you shouldn't be taking her to court if she's late picking up the kids one time. That's not reasonable. It has to be at the same level as the infraction. I have a tough time with this in parenting when I reach the end of my limit. I've had moments where my punishment isn't reasonable. And the reason it isn't reasonable is because it wasn't planned. It just came out in the spur of the moment, in anger and frustration. The same thing will happen if you don't plan out your consequences. Let's move on to related. The consequences should be related to the infraction. I'll just stick with calling it that. If he starts bad-mouthing you over the phone, the consequence is that you are going to tell him that you feel disrespected, and you are going to give him time to cool down, and then you hang up. Hanging up on an antagonistic phone call, not automatically, but after stating why you are hanging up, is related to what the person is doing. And then last of all, respectful. This is still the father or mother of your children. There was a moment when you loved this person, hopefully. And even if that respect isn't reciprocated, your consequences should be respectful. You shouldn't be egging their houses or telling their mom what they did. Now, we are all lucky. What better way to learn and maintain setting boundaries and enforcing consequences than in divorce? Yay! We have this great opportunity. So let's take the same approach as they do in this week's book. It's called a breakup because it's broken. Let's create the commandments of boundaries. Commandment number one. Thou shalt not make whoopee with thine soon-to-be ex or ex. This one is pretty self-explanatory, but it's also one that could be difficult. I mean, many of us turn to our spouse when we feel sad or lonely. That's one of the benefits of marriage. Not the whoopee portion, but the intimate, deep communication. But when that spouse is the one that hurt you deeply, it leads to conflicting emotions. For me, I felt both an aversion and this intense desire to reconnect with my spouse. I felt this desire to hold her and be close to her. It probably has something to do with wanting to renew that feeling of love that you wished was still there on the part of your spouse. The issue is that if divorce is a certainty, you're just delaying your healing. Sex creates a connection, even when you say it's just sex. So avoid it. Set this boundary and stick with it. Commandment number two. Thou shalt respect my home and space. About a year into my divorce process, I decided I needed to go out of my way to become more sociable. And so I decided to go to this party that was being put on by this lady and uh, drove up to Logan and showed up, and I was the only one that showed up. So, great. Fantastic. It really worked out great for me. Um, but I ended up talking to this lady who was separated from her husband, and she told me a story. She told me that her neighbor was helping her with cleaning up and things like that, and she was over at her house when her husband just walked right in, walked into the kitchen, started making a sandwich, took the sandwich, went into the living room, and just sat down. 
And the neighbor lady was like, I know they're separated. I know he's not supposed to be here. What am I supposed to do? And so she ended up just hanging around, continuing to clean, putter, until the husband left because she knew he wasn't supposed to be there and she wasn't sure what he was going to do if she had left. Well, she called the lady afterwards and just told her what had happened. And so this lady had to call her husband and say, hey, you know what? We've been separated over a year. The kids weren't home. This is a boundary that you need to respect. You can't just come into the my house and make a sandwich whenever you want. Now, there could be some leeway around this, given with kids or if your divorce is amicable, while still realizing that you may need to implement stricter boundaries when a new significant other enters the picture. So, what type of consequence should there be? I mentioned this one earlier, sitting down and having a calm discussion about this being your space, and you not feeling comfortable with them there and explaining what you are going to do if it keeps happening. Maybe changing the locks or setting up pickups in a neutral location. Let's move on to commandment number three. Thou shalt not call me names or badmouth me. This can be verbal abuse through texts, messaging, calls, or in-person discussions. Now, divorce is intense. There are a lot of emotions going on. But that doesn't give anyone the right to belittle you. You need to set a boundary, and if that boundary is breached, you need to set a consequence. I've heard of divorces where the divorcing couples can't communicate through regular channels because everything needs to be recorded for the court proceedings. So, they end up communicating through specific apps that record everything so that the communication remains respectful. Hopefully this isn't the case in your divorce, but even still, if your ex is bad-mouthing you to your children or to your face, it's crossing boundaries. The consequence can be sitting your children down and explaining to them that saying those things is not nice, that your spouse is angry, but that no amount of anger justifies bad-mouthing you. And if it's bad-mouthing you over the phone or to your face, it's actually leaving the situation. Commandment number four. Thou shalt not browse your ex's social media. This is part of that fast from your ex. What I ended up doing was blocking my ex completely from my Facebook. Before the divorce, when we first started going to therapy, my then-wife agreed to combine Facebook accounts with me. It was one of the boundaries and trust-healing things we set up, and I think I even changed the name of my profile accordingly. However, once we were getting a divorce, my ex started hers back up, and I was seeing things I didn't want to see. This is a boundary that is completely up to you. You decide what will be best in your healing process. I didn't block Instagram because I see photos of my kids on there. But I did block Facebook because I just didn't want to see anything that she was posting. I wanted to take that fast from my ex. Moving on, commandment number five. Thou shalt not tell me how to raise the children. Just like you have a new home and space boundary you will have different parenting styles. The optimal approach is for both of you to agree to consistent parenting rules, such as bedtimes, homework schedules, consumption of electronic devices, etc. But if your spouse doesn't agree with you how you want to raise the children, how you choose to raise the children on your own time is your business. Big caveat, 
and I'm sure you all know what it is. If their parenting is endangering your children's mental or physical health, that's when you need to step in and get other people involved or go to the courts. Commandment number six. Thou shalt communicate only about the children. This boundary is subjective, depending on where you are in the healing process. Some spouses want to remain friends. I don't know if they feel it will ease their guilt, make them feel less ashamed. I don't know. It always comes down to the children, though. If you don't want to be friends, if you don't want to continue that relationship besides the co-parenting that you're doing, you should let them know. Please don't message me or talk to me about your personal life. Only talk to me when it involves the children. One situation that drove me to enact a similar boundary was something my ex told me when she was dropping off the kids. She was talking about her sister, and if you've been listening to the podcast, I wrote a rather nasty email to her sisters because of what my ex had said, and it drew me back into some trauma drama that I never should have been a part of. So when my ex started talking about visiting her sister, I set a boundary. I told her, you know what? I don't want to know anything. I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to hear any relayed messages. I don't want to be a part of that. And in that same line of thinking, commandment number seven, thou shalt not communicate through the children. Don't make your children the messengers. Just send your texts or leave your voicemail or message with your ex. Communicating through your children can put them in an awkward position in the middle of their divorced parents. Keep them out of it. Now those are the main commandments, boundaries that I could think of. Let me know if you think of any others, because there are a ton. We didn't even get that deep into boundaries. You should set with friends and family, but you can follow the same process as setting boundaries with your ex. So, to summarize today's episode, we need to set boundaries and consequences in our divorce and co-parenting to create safety for yourself, to show others how you should be treated, and to promote and speed up your healing process. Those consequences that you set need to follow the three R's. They need to be reasonable, related, and respectful. And finally, the seven commandments of boundaries. One, thou shalt not make whoopee with thine ex or soon-to-be ex. Two, thou shalt respect my home and space. Three, thou shalt not call me names or badmouth me. Four, thou shalt not browse your ex's social media. Five, thou shalt not tell me how to raise my children. Six, thou shalt communicate only about the children. Seven, thou shalt not communicate through the children. And eight, thou shalt throw the holy hand grenade of Antioch into the mouth of the beast. Wait a sec, that's a, oh, that's a different one. Now, as I said before, all of these commandments can be jimmy-rigged for your specific situation. For some divorced couples, boundaries need to be firm. It might involve pickups at a neutral location like the Smith's parking lot or Target, if you're fancy. They might involve communication only through the court-ordered parenting app. But for others, the boundaries might be a little more loose when you're thinking about what's best for your children. Either way, best of luck in determining how best to set them up. And if you are going to a therapist, talk to them about the boundaries and consequences you are setting up. They will be able to help you determine if they are appropriate and follow the three R's. Next week, we'll be talking about dealing with loneliness and divorce. This is a big one, folks. We spend years of our life building a relationship with this person. 
And at the same time, other friendships can diminish as people move on with their lives, their careers, their marriages, and their children. On top of that, you go from being constantly with your children and your spouse to having nights when you are all alone. So pop some popcorn, put on some fuzzy socks and pajamas, and curl up on the couch because next week we won't be alone. We'll be spending some time together as we talk about how to overcome loneliness in a healthy manner. Until next time. Thank you for joining me today. If you found this podcast helpful, please like and subscribe, leave a review, and share it with others who could use support and healing. Visit thedivorcetribe.com for more resources to help you through your divorce, and follow me at The Divorce Tribe on Instagram to be notified when new episodes and content are released. Remember, you are not alone. We are part of the same tribe, the Divorce Tribe. Until next time.